the word tonight as we get back into our our um, series that we have been in on deepening deception as we have been talking about the way back. Uh, we kicked it off talking about the deception and uh, that's going on in our world and in our culture. And I've told you throughout this entire series that the deception that we are talking about is in the world, but that should not surprise us or alarm us because that is to be expected. The deception is going to take place in the world that is around us. The spirit of Antichrist is at work in our world. But what we have to do is we have to be light in a darkened world and we have to be truth in lives that have faced deception and given in to deception. But the thing that should alarm us and should call us even quicker to action is the deception that we find within the church of today. The deception that we find within those who call themselves believers because there is much deception. The deception that is in the world has crept its way into many issues within the church. Now, we know that there is always a remnant among the church that are faithful True, and then there are have always been and will always be those that are they claim Christ, but they don't live for Christ. And and so there, there's always that as well. But as we see this kind of deception rising in the world and rising within the ranks of the church, the church must be called to action. We are seeing so many things that are anti-word of God. We are seeing so many things that have made their, their way into the church that, that are fighting against everything that God has spoken to us about. It, it's not just in our culture. It is making its way into our church, into the church. And so we must begin to understand there is only one way back from the brink of deception, and that is by faith. Now, Let's go real quickly and look at the scripture that started this whole journey for us. 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter number 2 and I'm going to begin reading at verse number 15. 1 John 2 and verse 15 says, Do not love the world. And we're going to do a little bit of recap tonight. because, And then I'm going to close this out with the finality of where I believe Hebrews 11 has taken us but first John chapter 2 verse 15 do not love the world or the things in the world now it's not not saying do not love those that are in the world because we are called to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves this has nothing to do when we say do not love the world it's not talking about the people that are in the world it's talking about the structure of the world the ways of the world do not Love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Then verse 18. Little children, it is the last hour. How many of you believe 
that we are living in the last moments. Now, this was written some nearly 2,000 years ago. And it was the last hour as they were being written and written to. And what that really tells us is this early church, when, when Jesus ascended and the Holy Spirit fell upon the church and the church went out and spread the gospel to their world, the latter times began. But we are closer now than ever before to the end. This is the last hour. These are the last. If, if they were in the last hour, I believe it would be safe to say we are living in the last minutes. In the last moments. If you looked at the world and, and the history of the world as a clock. And they were in the last hour of the day, which would, you know, be, say, 11 p.m. at night. Then I really believe we are probably living at about 11.59 and some change. We are living in the last hour. These are the last days. I believe that with everything in me because all of the things that Scripture tells us about are all culminating in this moment that we are allowed to be alive in. And we can, we can be disappointed in that, discouraged by that, or we can accept the challenge of our moment and say then we are to be light bearers in a dark moment. We must let our voice be heard. If we believe this is the final hour, if we believe these are the last days, then we must let our voice be heard. And we must not get distracted by the things of the world. Come on now. I, we, we have preached, as long as I've been alive, I've heard it preached. And I know it's been preached even longer than that. That in the latter days, there's going to be a great outpouring. Bible teaches us that. There's going to be a revival. There's going to be an outpouring of the Spirit. Well, I believe that is true. I believe there is an outpouring of the Spirit that is upon us. But I also believe the Word teaches us there is going to be a great shaking and a great falling away. And we are seeing both of those things in this moment. So don't lose heart. Don't be discouraged. Don't be distracted. Come on now. You want my personal opinion. I'll give you that as, as your pastor. Those of you that are watching me online. Just a personal note. I think that a whole lot of the things that the church has gotten so caught up in here recently. With the election and all of those things. I think all of that is nothing more than a distraction from our purpose and our job in these final hours. Because our purpose and our job is not to see someone elected in the United States of America. That would be a sad reason to exist. Our purpose and our job as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is to share the truth of God's world with a lost world. And to stand for God in the midst of difficulty. And we're going to talk just a little bit about that here in just a little bit. So, little children, verse 18, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Now, take, take for a moment your mind off of the man, the Antichrist. Okay, now just bear with me. Because when any time in Scripture we talk about the Antichrist in church circles... Our mind immediately goes to the man that's going to rise. The Antichrist. But listen. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, 
many antichrists have come. By which we know that it is the last hour. They, these many antichrists, they went out from us. That's, that's what John is saying. In the day he's writing to, they went out from us. But they were antichrist. Amen. And for if they had been of us, they, they went out from us, but they were not of us. That means they were a part of, of this movement known as the church, but they were not of them. They were not committed unto Christ. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out. They left this faith. That they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not, do not know the truth. But because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is anti-Christ who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Now, I'm gonna, I went back here for a purpose because we're just tying this all together as we end this series. Now, I went back into this, this scripture that we really haven't revisited since that first week because I want to tie this together and I want to tell you something. When we are talking about the deepening deception that is in our world and the spirit of Antichrist that is in the world right now and, and has tried to grip some that are of the faith and have pulled people away from the faith, I want you to understand, and, and I want you to notice what this says. Who is a liar? The one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is, he is anti-Christ who denies the Father and the Son. Well, let me, let me just ask you a quick question. I want to try to clarify this for you. Let me ask you a question. What is the revelation of the Father and the revelation of Christ and who He is that has been given to us? I'm going to show you something. How many understand Jesus is not walking on the earth in a flesh body, in his flesh body today? He, he did that. Paid the price for sin. Now, he was the express image of the Father. He was the revelation of the Father unto us. He was in the beginning with God. He was God. And nothing was made without Him. But, but John, in the first chapter of his gospel, tells us something. In the beginning was what? In John's gospel. In the beginning was what? The Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Nothing was made without Him. And then later on in that first chapter of John. verse Down around verse 14 and 15. It says, and the Word did what? Became something. Became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, that says something to me that I think is very important. Because I don't know if you realize it or not. But for many in the church world, right now, right now, in our day, there is a major attack on the Word of God. A major attack on the Word of God. 
there, there are many who have claimed to be Christians who deny the word. They want to change the word to fit this culture. They want to redefine the terms of the word to fit the moment we're living in. They, they, they don't want to believe there's certain parts of the word that they would like to just rip out. Which, which one was it? Was it Thomas Jefferson that had his own Bible? It was Thomas Jefferson, wasn't it? He, he had his own Bible. And you know what his Bible consisted of? It was everything except where there were miracles and things like that. He'd just take those out of his Bible. He ripped them out. That, and, and his Bible was a Bible without those things. Come on. Do you know we got a lot of people that claim to be a part of the church that you may not have physically and literally ripped pages out of the Bible, but many no longer believe what the Word says. They are believing a lie. They are believing what culture says. They are believing what what. A psychologist says they are believing what what someone else is saying about the word rather than the word. That's why I try to encourage you all the time. You must read the Bible for yourself. You must not depend upon somebody else to tell you everything the Bible says. And if you can't understand because the King James is the only Bible you've ever read and you can't understand, then find you a good translation that you can understand because this is not hard to understand. There are parts of it that can be difficult to understand. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. There are certain things that the deeper you go, it, it can be harder to understand. But the story that this word tells is very easy to understand. And the truth that is written in this word, sometimes the wording can trip us up because we, the wording is from way gone, bygone days. And that's why translations that have wording that like, like we talk today are easier for us to understand. But, but the words may be harder for us to, but the concepts are there and they cannot be changed. Truth is still truth. And it doesn't matter what society says. And let me tell you, the closer we come to the end, the less popular standing on the word is going to become. You might as well get ready for that. The closer we come to the end, standing firm on what the word of God teaches is not going to be popular. We're already there, people. We are already living in a day where even Christians, people that claim to be Christians, do not want you standing firm on what the Word teaches. And the reasoning they give is that, well, it might offend somebody. Jesus said, I came to offend people. Amen. I came to set people at odds because I came to tell them the truth. And the truth is offensive to people that are in deception. Come on, are y'all with me? I'm just, I'm, you know. And so we might as well get prepared for this. 
I, I believe and, and that, that we are living in a day that, that the days of, of now I'm going to be very careful. I say this, and I'm not claiming to be prophet. This is not prophecy, anything like that. I'm just telling you what I, I believe we are about to enter into. I believe the days of just feel good, watered down Christianity is still going to be able to grow and go forward. But I believe that for those that will stand upon the word, we are going to go into some difficult moments. I, I believe that. I believe there's going to be some lines drawn in the sand. And, and it's not going to be easy. And not everybody is going to accept what the Word says because our world is telling us that is not... We, we live. How many of you have recognized we live in a cancel culture? And that means if you say the wrong thing or if you have a belief that doesn't go along with society, you will get canceled. Which means it will make it hard to work. It will make it hard to do the... And I, I want to tell you, what I see, and I'm not prophesying or anything else, but what I see coming is the church is not going to be immune to this as we stand upon the Word of God. When our agenda remains the truth of God's Word, and that truth of God's Word comes in contrary and contrast to the society around us, we better choose God's Word, because otherwise we will fall into deception. And we're not to be hateful, and we're not to be more think we're better than everybody else we are to speak the truth in love but by all means we are to speak the truth and if that means that that people get upset about the truth people just have to get upset about the truth we're not not going to change that we're not as, as your pastor and as the one that stands up here on a weekly basis to proclaim the word of God I am not going to change from preaching the word of God so if, if that is offensive to somebody, then you have to make the decision what you're going to do with, their, with that because I have been mandated by God to preach His Word. And He did not tell me to preach His Word as long as the culture says I'm doing okay. Amen. And that means there's going to be, it's going to get tight. And it's going to get, at times... We're all going to get our toes stepped on. And at times, because that's what the Word does. The reality is that's called conviction. Amen. We're, we need some conviction. When our lives drift off from the truth, we need to come back to the Word. And I thank God for men and women of God that speak the truth of God's Word. Because it allows the Spirit of God to use that and to convict my life. Hello? So when deception is deepening, the truth of God's word has to become clearer and louder. Let me, let me just tell you something. I, I believe that it is going to become very obvious the distinction between those standing on the word of God and those claiming Christ but living contrary to God's word. And then we have to choose. And we have to call people. I believe there are people that need Jesus. And they need the truth of Jesus. And they need to come out of their sin and come out of their lifestyle. And the church has that message. Amen. So, 
the deception around us is deepening. The spirit of Antichrist is already at work in this world. It, it's, it's already there. I mean, it's in our schools. It's in our, it, it's in our entertainment. Come on. It's everywhere. People are being inundated with, with wickedness and deception. Amen? Are y'all, are y'all out there? Are y'all with me? So this is what we are dealing with. We, this is what we, we have to get serious about. And, and we can't just play church games. We have to be serious about the Word of God. And so we, we began looking at that, and, and I've given you some things. We went to Hebrews 11 because the way back from the brink of deception is faith. Only faith will keep us from being deceived. Okay? And so we went to Hebrews 11, and we began to walk through there, and I pulled out for you some things. The first thing I talked to you about is it's going to take monumental faith. Verses 4 through 7 of Hebrews chapter 11, we talked about Abel and Enoch and Noah. First faith, monumental faith. Those that went for that place where faith begins. Full and complete faith. That first principle of faith, to believe that God is. To believe He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek after Him. To believe these things becomes imperative, monumental faith. And then we talked about momentous faith that leads to momentum. Because not only must we have monumental faith that is first faith and settled faith, but then there needs to be momentous faith, faith in in every moment that builds momentum. Because the more we grow in faith and the more we walk in faith, more movement begins. So we talked about faith in this moment. And then faith for the next moment. And then faith that build momentum. And we talked about Abraham. And we talked about Sarah. And, and those as they begin to move forward. And, and we talked uh, about, about momentous faith. And then last week we talked about movement faith. Faith that then charges a movement so, so you've got monumental faith, first faith. You've got momentous faith, faith in the moments, faith that, that understands we, that we've got to keep going, and then movement faith. And we talked about Moses. Verses 23 to 29, we talked about Moses looked forward in faith. He looked through a dark night in faith. He led God's people forward in faith because Faith now was a movement. This is what Hebrews 11 is teaching us as we walk. We, 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 it teaches us about walking in faith. So tonight, we're going to move down and we're going to jump into this tonight at verse number 30. And I took just a little bit of time to backtrack a little bit. If you want to hear each of those words beginning at that first week in 1 John 2 and all the way through each of those, you'll have to go back and listen to those on the podcast or watch those on the YouTube channel. You can find them or on the Facebook channel. So if you want to hear that more in context, go and listen to them. I, I believe it'll help you. But I wanted to catch us there because then I just want to share a few things with you tonight as we tie this together. Tonight I'm going to talk to you about, and hear this, maximum faith. Maxed out faith. 
Because I believe in our world today, for us to thrive, it's going to take maximum faith. I mean, we're going to have to max out faith in Christ. We're, we're going to have to get to the place that our faith in Christ is so rock solid that nothing could move us off of it. Because let me tell you, if the Lord tarries and He doesn't come and call His church home, I, I believe we are about to see things that are going to rock some people's faith. And so we have to have maximum faith. Do you know, and we're going to hit this, but that early church, they had maximum faith. They were not accepted. They, they didn't have all of the play. You know, later on, Constantine, I believe it was, just mandated that Rome was Christian. And all of a sudden, overnight, every citizen of Rome became a Christian. In the world's eyes. And the church began to gain more notoriety and began to gain a place within the kingdom. But up until that point, the church was not accepted. The church was not, not loved. The church was not looked upon favorably. They were, they were killed. They were persecuted. They were attacked at every turn. They didn't have it easy. Can I, can I tell you, as American Christians... For my entire life and your entire life, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in the United States of America has had it easy. We have been pampered. Amen. We have. So much so that when culture shifts and things don't go our way, we throw big fits. That we're not pampered now. I know that's not popular preaching, but that's what we do. You don't believe me? Check your social media feed out. Right? When, when Christians believe they're being persecuted because they had to park on the third row at Walmart. Amen. We've been pampered for far too long. Just because things don't go our way, what did we expect? We sat and watched and we sat silently. And we sat in our pews and we lived our life and we watched within our own lives devotion and commitment and enthusiasm and, and willingness to press into God. We watched those things diminish. And then when we see our culture shift around us, we are, just, we are just shocked by that. I want to tell you, that didn't shock me. I've pastored long enough to see. I've seen it coming for a long time because I've seen it coming in the pews. So it's not shocking when culture shifts. Come on. So we're going to have to have maximum faith in challenging times, in difficult times. And, I, and you, you can say if you want to, boy, pastor, that's a negative. I don't mean this as negative. I'm challenging you. Because, yes, I think things are going to be difficult, but I know a God who is able to cause us to thrive in the midst of anything that comes our way. Because I saw him do it in the Word of God in the book of Acts and for the early church. 
They went through struggles and difficulties, but you know what? If you went and asked them, you'd never know it because they counted it all joy. They, they, they said, hey, if God is for us, nobody can be against us. We are pressing on. God has blessed us. God is good. I think God is looking for a church that even when everything's not going our way on the outside, we are holding to our faith and we are seeing the miraculous. We are seeing the power of God. We are seeing the help of God, the hope of God. We are seeing the blessings of God upon our lives because we are to be light in darkness we are to be salt in this world food without flavor needs salt you know I don't like vegetables I've told you that and y'all laugh at me about that the only way I'll eat vegetables is if I can dump enough salt on there I don't taste whatever it is they taste like amen and before you get on to me say oh pastor that's bad for you when I get my sodium checked every year my sodium levels are great is that not right there you go. So see, don't just just save your save that. It's the only way I can eat it. Is it got I got to get something to help my taste. Do you know things? And and I know people like I give Veronica our time, and I say I don't believe anybody really likes that kind of food. I think they just discipline themselves to eat it because they know it's good for them. I don't. That's my opinion anyway. Amen. We. We are to be salt. And in order for us to truly be salt in our world, it means that there's going to be something needing in our world that we are to offer. We're to be light in the darkness. So this is not a negative. This is we just got to get our mind right. Amen. We got to get our hearts right and we got to get ready. So here's the question I'm going to ask you. In a day where it takes maximum faith, maxed out faith to thrive. What, what faith do you see the church as a whole exhibiting? Is it maximum faith? Are we showing our world and our culture right now maximum faith? Are we showing maxed out faith? I'm talking about the church as a whole. When you look at the church, are, are we showing the world what a sold out body of Christ believing God for anything and understanding we are separate and we are unique? Are we, are we exhibiting that to our world as the church as a whole? I'm not talking about River Life. I'm talking about the church body as a whole. I would say, at least in the United States as we know of, we're not. Okay, but let me break it down a little bit farther than that. What type of faith are you and I exhibiting? Are we living out maximum faith? See, because before we can start, you know, punching on the church as a whole, the judgment begins right here. And before I can start talking about all oh, that church not showing any faith, I have to look at myself. Am I exhibiting maxed out faith? Or do I get caught up in the things of the world? The distractions, the love of the world, and the things of it. Are we, are we maxed out in faith? Or are we trying to operate in some sort of mixture of faith and the world. 
Just a question, and you have to answer that question, each of you for yourself. Hebrews 11 and verse 30. I want you to listen, because here's what maxed out faith looks like. Hebrews 11 and verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak. And Samson and Jephthah, also of David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Quenched the violence of fire. Escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. Became valiant in battle. Turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured. Not accepting deliverance. That they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings. Yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. Being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains. In dens and caves of the earth. And all these. Having obtained a good testimony through faith. Did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us. That they should not be made perfect apart from us. You know what I just read to you? Maximum faith. Faith was not in what it looked like. It was in God who was in control. Faith was in even when they went through struggles mightily in their bodies. They pressed forward for the cause of God. And then some in here for the cause of Christ. We see Maximum faith. Here, I'm going to give you these things that maximum faith consists of. Maximum faith is miraculous faith. It carries with it expectation. When we lose our expectation of God's miraculous ability, we are not living in maximum faith. Amen. Maximum faith always carries with it the expectation of miraculous things. God will provide. 
God will come through. Amen. Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Miraculous faith is complete faith. So maximum faith is complete faith. Mark chapter 16 said, go and in my name you will do miraculous things. And you know what the word says? They went and in his name they did miraculous things. In the Old Testament, Daniel 11 and 32 says, They that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. In Mark, chapter number 11 says, Have faith in God. Complete faith. If you have faith, there's a mustard seed. Just, just complete faith. Doesn't matter how big you are. It matters how big the faith inside you is. Mustard seed faith, the mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds, but it has complete faith because only God can cause it to raise up. See, if you will have complete faith, that's maximum faith, that's miraculous faith, that you can believe God is going to come through and God is going to answer. And you don't get caught up in the ways of the world and you don't get caught up in, in the, the secular mindset you keep your faith in God and you keep believing God for the miraculous God will show himself to you hmm. maximum faith is and 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 if you want to you could read verses 30 Hebrews 11 verses 30 through 34 where it talks about the expectation the miraculous expectation but then Verses 35 through 39a. 39 says, it, in, it starts by saying in verse 39, And all these having obtained a good testimony through faith. So if you stop right there. So if you read verses 35 through 39, that very first part of 39, you see martyr's faith. You see perfected faith. You see faith in perfection. In verses 30 through 34, you see faith and expectation of the miraculous. But in, in 35 through 39a, you see faith perfected through difficulty. Come on now. The perfection of a martyr's faith. Someone that gives their life for Christ. I mean, let me tell you. We are called to be martyrs whether we have to give our life earthly or not. We are called to lay down our life and to take up His. Amen? You know, that's what a martyr does. A martyr says, I will give my life for Christ. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and for me to die is gain. Now, he would live that out later in his life. But he said that before he lived it out. He lived his life every day that way. That the life he lives was for Christ. And I'm, I'm going to encourage you as believers tonight. Make a decision that you are going to live every moment of your life for Christ above yourself. It's maximum faith. It's a, it's a martyr's faith that is a perfected faith. A complete faith. A, a 
mature faith. And there's a reward for those that are willing to give their life for the cause of Christ. That would rather be associated with Christ in rejection, but faithful to Him in life. Than to have all of the accoutrements of the world. And not sacrifice for Christ. Where, where, where are you? Is it a perfective faith? And then verse 39, the second part and verse 40 says. And they did these, even though they obtained a good testimony. Verse 39, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us. That they should not be made perfect apart from us. We see Multiplied faith. Connection. We see faith that is connected. To the next. To the previous and to the next. Generational faith. I want to tell you. This is one of the biggest downfalls I believe. Of the current. Church. Is we have left off. Connection faith. We have allowed the world to raise up our generation below. We have allowed a secular society to tell our children and our young generation what is right and what is wrong. While they have seen us. Live in comfort and ease, but not stand for truth. Connection. We are connected together. Maximum faith connects together. Because even though they did not receive all of the promises in their lifetime, God provided for us to give something to them that puts us all together in this. That what they began, we will complete. That's a great cloud of witnesses. That's cheering us on in the day we're living in. Amen. I, I, I really wonder if it, it says there's this great cloud of witnesses. So I know that, that somehow they're seeing what is happening in the church today. They're, they're cheering us on. It's this great cloud of witnesses. And I... I I had this thought, and, and this, this thought, I, I think of Stephen. You remember Stephen? Maybe you remember the story of Stephen. He's the first true Christian church martyr. Acts chapter 7. They killed him for preaching the gospel. So much so, they got so angry at him, they ran upon him and gnashed on him with their teeth. And they stoned him. They put him to death. Paul was one that held the coats as a younger man at that day and gave his uh, approval to that death that would forever affect him when he would come to Christ. Stephen, if he, and we know he's in that great cloud of witnesses, the Bible says that he, the stones didn't kill him. The Bible says he lifted up his eyes and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And he said, forgive them. They don't really know what they're doing. He followed in Christ's footsteps, and then the Bible says he went to sleep. 
And he's in that great cloud of witnesses. I just wonder what he might be challenging us, some of us today with when he sees how weak in faith we operate. How that every time something doesn't go our way, we're ready to just throw up our hands and say, God must not exist. How quickly we turn from faith. And I'm sure he's saying, keep believing. Even if it comes to the point of death, the Lord will never leave you. Come on now. I, I, we, we've got to max out our faith. This is the moment of maximum faith. It's connected to those that have gone before us. I think of, I think of Veronica's grandparents. They were of the generation. They lived way out in, in uh, northeast Oklahoma and Murphy, Oklahoma. Out in there. And you have to know where you're going to get there. And if, if you don't know you're there when you're there, you'll miss it because there's just not much there, just some houses and things. But it worked in the fields. Her grandpa would work in the fields all day long. They would labor all day long. And when, when they were having church and then when they were in revival, they would walk across the fields and walk however far they had to just to get to church. And they would have church till the wee hours of the morning, and then they would walk back home, and, and then uh, ride wagons and all those things. And then they would get up with daylight and work all day long and go back to church at night to have church till the wee hours of the morning and get up the next morning at daylight and work all day long. And they didn't complain, and they didn't, they didn't, were, they, they, were, they were faithfully committed. And they saw amazing things. I'm not sure microwave faith is going to produce Amen. what we need. It would be like putting a big fat roast in the microwave. And trying to zap it and pulling it out and thinking it's going to taste and be as juicy and fall apart, melt in your mouth as something you've slow cooked all day long. Amen. How many know that's not going to happen? That's what we're trying to do. Or Lord, I'll give you my, I'll give you my 45 minutes. You got to do it in that time frame because I'm busy. last thing I'm going to say is this. Hebrews 12 and verse 1. Therefore, we also. I'm not going to read any farther. Therefore, we also. Maximum faith now is my faith. And it should be leading me in his direction. When deception is deepening. 
the only way back and the only way forward is faith. And it's going to take monumental faith. And it's going to take momentous faith that builds momentum. And it's going to take movement faith keeps looking, keeps going, and it's going to take maximum faith. How many want to finish well for Christ? Then max out your faith. Believe God for anything. Stand to your feet with me. And when you get pushed back, because people say, well, that's, I, you know, that's what people used to say about the word. But you just don't understand. We, we just understand more now. Yeah, that's our problem. There is a way that seems right to a man. But the end thereof is death. Amen. Yes. Asher gets it. I'm, I'm looking for what God's about to do. And I know it's not going to look probably like we all thought, think it's going to look like sometime. I'm not sure it's going to be the huge wave, huge structures just filled. With, I, I think, I, I really believe it's going to be more smaller settings Full of faith. Houses lit on fire for Jesus. Families believing God for the miraculous. And telling their world about Jesus. I think the day of superstar Christianity is soon going to be over. Amen. The Hollywood preachers. The, where certain ones get all the accolades. No, no, no. There's only one who deserves any accolade. And his name is Jesus. Amen. And we are to have faith in him. So I just encourage you, and I hope that through this entire series, you've seen something and heard something. It will challenge you to have faith in God. Believe for the miracle. Do you know God still heals? Do you know even in the day of COVID, God still heals? He still delivers. We can call our problems, and they are all the names we've given them, and we can define them and describe them and give all of the understandings we have of why we're addicted to this and why this is happening, and I've got this issue that causes this. But God still delivers. Amen. I'm not against giving our issues a name. I, I think that's fine. But there's a name that's above every name. And that name is Jesus. And he delivers. And he heals. And he saves. To the uttermost. And he changes us. And he causes people to live life differently than we've ever lived it before. And he still does that today. 
in 2021, he still can take an old sinner and change their life in a moment and cause them to live a life they never dreamed they could live if we just have faith. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. Lord, we live in times of deception. Church always has. But we see it deepening around us. Lord, our hearts grieve as we see this, especially in our culture that we are raising families in and living in, even here in the United States. We grieve to see laws passed and just by the signature on a piece of paper. We see wickedness exalted. We see a culture fall deeper into deception. And Lord, it is grieving to us. But our faith is in you. And you're calling the church to rise up. To live full of joy. Full of peace. Full of love. Full of truth. Full of light. And full of maximum, maxed out faith. Father, let it begin in me. Challenge us. And then let us act upon your word. And we ask it in the name above every name. We believe for deliverance, for healing, for salvation, for miracles. We believe, Lord, for blind eyes to open. Deaf ears to unclog and hear again. Those with all sorts of medical issues and struggles and battles to be miraculously set free. We believe for financial breakthrough in people's lives. We believe you can do anything. Most importantly, we believe you still desire to bring salvation into every heart and every life. So let us be your hands extended. And let us be light in this darkened world. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, Amen.